Welcome to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. In this episode, we kick off our new series with a conversation about vulnerability between lead pastor Kevin Meyer and kids pastor and podcast producer Sarah Galligan. Um, I am really excited about this conversation. Who um, we get to talk to today is the creator and inspiration behind these podcasts. Official title, podcast producer. You're the voice that intros each of these conversations. And uh, today we're going to have a conversation about a really important uh, topic called vulnerability. Uh, It's good to have you, Sarah Galligan. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, let me just, uh, oh, I should also just mention one thing. I, it's been kind of neat to, to have gotten to know you over the years. I've um, worked with you for about 13 years as the lead pastor, you being our kids ministry pastor before, besides all the other things I just mentioned that you do. But one of the things I'm going to start out with is uh, I'm going to take it in a direction <clears throat> that we hadn't talked about. So you'll get scared, I ho- hopefully for a moment and be real vulnerable, but uh, you're writing poetry, right? Yeah. And, and not only that, you're putting it on the internet. Instagram, Facebook, other places. And uh, that's like putting your heart out there. And it's not actually putting it yeah. on your sleeve. It's really putting it way out there uh, for yeah. people to look at and talk about. And in one of your poems, I just want to read some of the lines from because I think it was really, um, I think, telling in your journey. And it's a, it's a poem called Clouds. And, and I really like it a lot. Clouds get in the way, breaking apart, distorting my view, leaving me confused. Uh, I'm going to jump here a little bit. Are these clouds protection or just a cover up? of who I was meant to be, leaving me concealed. But then the clouds change, like someone flipped the page, someone's breath blew them away, leaving me exposed. These clouds, which once made it easy to hide, have left me out in the open, unguarded and defenseless, leaving me vulnerable. So was that like one of your first poems that you wrote or? Yeah, that's the that's the first one. And it's funny too, because I tell people I don't write poetry because I don't I don't even know how like and so I'm hesitant to to call them poems because they're really just whatever is in me kind of comes out onto paper but and not even paper it's it's literally me in a parking lot typing on my phone but that was my first one my very so, first one that I so you didn't never took even poetry 101 no I don't even know I don't know any <laughs> basics of poetry I know nothing I you don't know about metrics poetry. and all the yeah and no, right, all the rest no. so. I like it. grammar skills. I, I'm, not, I'm not good at this. Well, let's talk about it then. I mean, as you yeah. said here, these clouds, there've been clouds somehow that you felt like you could hide yeah. behind. Now you feel unguarded, defenseless, leaving me vulnerable. Um, how did you get started on this journey of vulnerability? Yeah, it's been a process. I mean, the poetry really is, is near the the tail end for me, I think, I think there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on for a long time, stuff that I probably wasn't even aware was part of this process that God had. So I would say it was last year, I was invited to come and speak at a women's event at our church Mm -hmm. um, and talk about uh, some of the things that I had been struggling with, with anxiety and not something that I talk about with a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. I have talked about it briefly But again, I think even in that moment when I shared, I was giving kind of a packaged version, a version that I was okay with, that I felt safe with, that didn't have to go too deep, but deep enough that people probably felt like they got to know me a little bit better, which is great. Um, But really not where God, I mean, God was going to take me much, much further than that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that moment, I think that was kind of the first step into um, trying to figure out how do I be vulnerable with people? And then after that, God kind of started to teach me how to listen for his voice and listen for 
the Holy Spirit's nudges and stuff like that, which so, I know so, you talked about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so obviously, you started. It sounds to me like, um, as we even talked about last week in in the uh, the podcast I had done a couple of weeks ago with Terry Esau around nudges. You know, like uh, he said, God's Holy Spirit. He always thought was the the idea of a dove was kind of an interesting. Yeah idea he sees it more as a sharp elbow and kind of mm-hmm. nudges him in the in his ribs uh so you got nudged in the rib tell us a little bit about yeah. what that was like well and for for me yeah i think it varies sometimes it's a little bit of a tap on the shoulder and sometimes it's it's a more aggressive it's hey you got to listen to me so yeah it's more of a sharp jab to the side yeah. but i started to kind of uh hear the holy spirit kind of leading me to speak out and say things so like if there were things that i felt about something or someone that God would kind of nudge me and say, okay, you should tell this person that thing. Or I think there's a lot of times where we kind of feel something and we don't necessarily act on it. And even going back to my conversation with uh, Jake and Christy about, you know, when God's telling you to do something to be obedient. And so there was a little bit of that as well, where it's like the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to do this, just, just act in obedience. And then you just step back and how I use it is up to me. So that, that was kind of my experience. I had a lot of those kind of moments where I reached out to people and said something and, and really was amazed at the way that God was using those things. Sometimes I got to see how people would react. And sometimes I just had to let it go and trust that God had me tell them that for a reason. But yeah, that was, that was kind of, I think God's way of teaching me how to be more in tune and how to listen a little bit more carefully to when he was telling me things. So I think a couple of things would be <clears throat> interesting to note. And I talked about Terry Esau and you talked about Jake mm-hmm. in the last three that we did on risk. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how risk and vulnerability go really hand in hand. I, I look at, they're kind of like cousins in the same family. If you're going to take yeah. a risk, you're going to probably be vulnerable to some degree. And when you said that, there's a couple of things I'd love to ask you about. One is you didn't, you know, when you talk about God nudging you, prompting you, it's not like you had his voice calling from the clouds. So we'll talk about that for a second. Um, The other thing is when, I think it's really interesting that when you are obedient and you step out in faith with that nudge, not only do you experience God, but people also experience something about you because you're out on that edge, you're in that vulnerable place. So two things to talk about there. One, let's just talk about what was those, what were those promptings, nudges like? Yeah. The hearing God for me is, is interesting because sometimes it's patterns, things that I, that I'm seeing over and over again. Sometimes it's through music. Sometimes in this case, when it came to telling people things, it, it just kind of feels like this you can't move. Like you, mm-hmm. you need to do this thing and don't move past this. Make sure you do this and do this now. And oftentimes was immediate, was not very often that I would feel something and then walk away from it. It was very much like you feel it now, you need to tell them now. And so, yeah, there was, it wasn't always an audible voice. A lot of times it was things that I, I was hearing, you know, almost in your own voice, but then you feel sure. like, no, oh, this is God telling me this. And you, you um, can sense a deeper impression. That's the way it is for me. I can yes. just kind of sense sometimes, I mean, yeah. sometimes I'll see numbers, patterns. A lot of times yep. when I'm actually writing in my journal, I, I almost feel like I even will sometimes in the journal say, Kevin, comma, <laughs> and, and right. as if, because I just sense that this is coming from yeah. God. And, and yep. if you haven't had that experience, I, it's hard to explain, except for we know that yeah. the spirit of God is real, speaks to us mm-hmm. and, and moves us. So you do that and you begin to experience God by stepping out in faith, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and you're yeah, becoming that, vulnerable. Yes. Even if it wasn't me having to bear part of who I was in those experiences, it was me stepping out and going, 
I don't know how people are going to react to this. Is this weird that I'm telling them this? Are they going to, you know, like, are they going to think I'm strange for sending them this message or whatever? So there was a little bit of that vulnerability that was starting even just in that, in saying, okay, I'm going to be obedient to God, but I, uh, I mean, this might make me look like a fool, right. but I'm going to do it anyways. So you, you put yourself out there, but I, what I love about that is you, you experience God in it. There are some times we have to realize being vulnerable means there's going to be times you're going to get hurt. And there's going to be times yeah. where you're going to feel rejection or people are going to yeah. look at you weird. And, and even sometimes you're going to be vulnerable and, and maybe be in the wrong direction, but that's okay too. Yep. Cause in all those things, take it as it's an opportunity for me to learn and to grow. Yes. That's a good thing. So as you stepped into this vulnerability, um, there were things that you were learning in conversational intimacy with God. Any Anything around that kind of people talk about hearing God, but you're not talking about being conversational with them. I think it started to shift for me. You know, getting those nudges is one thing, but then when it starts to turn inward and it's you starting to kind of hear messages directly from God that are specific to you, that was when I felt like we started to have a conversation. Before mm-hmm. it was very much more felt like a directive and not in a negative way, but mm-hmm. more like, you know, this is what I'd like you to do. Whereas the dialogue back and forth that changed between um, how I was hearing his voice and now how he was speaking to me about me meant that I needed to start to kind of unpack my own feelings about the stuff that I was facing and the way I felt about myself and just kind of really like going, okay, I don't know why I feel like I can hide this from God, but (laughs) I need to now start to talk to him about this. Even though he knows how I feel inside, I need to have this conversation. And I think that started to result in a, in more of a conversational intimacy. And I just felt myself drawn more into prayer and more into worship, even independently on a much deeper level than I had experienced corporately. I think that there's something about that intimacy when it's you and God. And so I started to kind of experience him through worship in different ways, in sure. deeper ways. Don't you feel loved when you start yes. moving in that conversation? Yeah. And you, you, you know, I, I have a some grandchildren and one of them is three. And I was remarking to my wife the other day, it's so fun with our three-year-old because I'm actually beginning to have conversation with him for Mm -hmm. a long time. You know, you would give some kind of directives. That's kind of, you kind of, you know, you need to eat this, whatever you don't, but you don't get in conversation with them. Some of it is just, you entertain them and have fun and they enjoy that. Mm -hmm. But to actually have conversation moves to a whole deeper level. Part of it might be, and I hadn't thought of this, and as we're talking, I might be right or wrong on this, but I think some of maturity, even in, a, in our walk with the Lord, is you know you walk with them, but then you begin to walk and actually talk with them, and you have conversation. Mm-hmm. And until you get to a place where you're ready to step out like that, I don't know if we mature enough to be able to move into that kind of conversation with them. No, definitely. And I think... I think that's that's the funny thing is that you assume that when you're working at a church that that's the kind of intimacy you must have, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's I would I'm sure people assume that this is how close I've always been to God. And right. and I honestly can say that's not the case. Like yeah. I think yeah. that you can read in the Bible and you see different people who had that kind of intimacy with God and and I don't know that I ever personalized that and said, "Well, why don't I have that kind of intimacy with God?" Right. You know? And so I think that there's just this difference. And it's so funny, Kevin, I have to be honest, there's so many people that have pulled me aside in the past that were always like, Oh, you're so joyful. You're so happy. It's so great. And all that kind of stuff, which that's, that's what I had created. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, Mm -hmm. I, I had given myself that persona, but now it's like, there's something going on with Sarah. There's something different that's changed. There's something that God's doing, you know, like, and that's, that's the real me and, and me and God really developing a deep relationship that they're seeing. Yeah. 
That is so cool to hear you say that because I, I really, I get that and I understand that. And I remember when I was really beginning to hear um, God speak to me, I would have people kind of go ask that same kind of question. And part of yeah. it too is, I think not only does God become more real to you, you become more real to other people. And yeah. that's probably the thing that's going on. And then you go, well, the reason I'm more real to you is because God's become more real to me. Yeah. And I think there's that confidence that builds inside of you that when you know that you're loved and and you're worthy of being loved by God, and mm-hmm. that when you feel confident in that, I think it makes it so much easier to be real and authentic with yeah. people because you feel better about yourself. Yeah. I, I, it, that sounds really simplified, but it, it very much feels like I'm okay. So yeah. I, because God says I'm okay. Right. So it makes it way easier to just kind of go, okay, this is the stuff that I'm dealing with. And, and I, I don't know, it's a different experience for me than I've ever had before. So. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was really learning some of that too. I remember it's so, so silly. I say it sometimes from the pulpit, but I'd be looking in the mirror and I, <clears throat> I just say, man, I'm crazy about you knowing yeah. that God's really crazy about me. Now that doesn't yeah. mean I feel that and live that all the time, but I just remember right. having to practice that because I realized that is how I feel about like I, my kids when they're younger. I, mm-hmm. I look at them and go, I just really love you. Now, there's time you don't, you know, you're, you yeah. have all those. Yep. But deep down, the deepest thing a part of you is you just are crazy about that little one. And yeah. so God looks at me and just think, I mean, we think we're so big and yet he's so huge and eternal right. and, and overwhelming and who he is. And he looks at me and goes, I'm crazy about you. It gives you a it's sense of security. Um, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. it's easy for us to sit there and go, who am I? I mean, who am I in comparison to you? Like, that's incredible that you love me as much as you do. But vulnerability is a journey. So for me, yeah. it's kind of like, I'm still learning vulnerability. I, I There's a mm-hmm. difference between transparency and vulnerability. Um, yeah. Transparency is I can, in the pulpit, let people know things about me, but still be very guarded yes. in, in a way. And I, I look at transparency is like, letting someone see you a bit behind a window, <laughs> they throw mm-hmm. something, it's not going to hurt you. You know what I mean? And you're yeah. in control of it still. Yeah. Um, but actually being vulnerable is, is that stage, it's that place of going, okay, God, I'm going to share some things that could cause me to feel some pain and be rejected or hurt, et cetera. I was yeah. um, working through a series in Exodus. And I, I remember when I was just working and processing through it in Exodus chapter four, verse 17, it comes to a point where he says to Moses, um, who, who doesn't want to go on this journey to the Exodus and set the people free, doesn't feel he can do it, doesn't feel he can, doesn't want to be vulnerable, basically. And, and God says, take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. Goes on a little bit and Moses goes back to Jethro, tells him his plans, tells him everything. And just as he's leaving about five, six verses later, it says that he got on the dock, he started back to Egypt and he took the staff of God in his hand. And I remember reading that and that's where I go, you know, even through the word of God, God speaks to you. I felt this impression like, that staff is really important for you, Kevin. I understand the staff being his authority and his power, but I just started praying. I said, God, what is that for me? And I remember just taking time and journaling and praying. And it was like, God said to me in my heart, the staff is your vulnerability. Hmm. That's when you let people in is when I can get out and really touch people. That has been something I'm trying to travel that road in learning as well. So you are learning it, saying learning. You have been learning it. And one of the big steps was in a learning circle. Tell me a little bit about learning circles. Yeah. So I had, you know, after George Floyd was killed, um, there were a number of my friends and acquaintances just from church that were reading stuff, reading about racism, reading about reconciliation. And um, 
one of my friends had approached me, saw I was reading something and said, hey, can we maybe read together? And then another person approached and said, well, why don't we invite other people into this? And so we kind of invited a bunch of women into this learning circle. The learning circle kind of developed from there into this group of women who are willing to be very open and their journey through racism um, and, and identifying our own role in racism. Because I think there was a lot of stuff, a lot of hurdles of, well, we don't talk about this at church, or we don't talk about this in social circles, or we don't admit if there were times in our life where we felt like we had feelings that might've been considered racism or would be considered racism, or we had encounters with people, or like there was a lot of stuff that we just kind of said, okay, here's the deal. We're going to make mistakes. We're probably going to say things that we, we don't know the right way to say it, but we're going to be really honest with each other because the only way we're going to be able to grow through this and learn anything is if we're really willing to be authentic. I would just yeah. say one of the first things, just the idea of calling it a learning circle means I'm going to come with humility right. and I'm going to be honest and say, I don't know this. I'm not aware of what I'm not even aware of. I'm not yeah. conscious of things I'm unconscious of. And I also want to be real with areas that I have really stepped across the line in some of these things and have a repentant attitude around it, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I think that we grew really close um, mm -hmm. through Why? that process. I think because when you realize that you're, you're being very open about something that is a very difficult thing, um, something that not everybody in, in our country can identify unpacking it. You know, some people avoid it. Some people don't think that they have any kind of connection to racism. And I think for us to talk about a really tough conversation in a very open way, just bonded us. Mm -hmm. And and then it became like, we couldn't get enough of it. We had to keep, you know, like we got to do more. We got to start diving into different topics. And yeah, it just has led to a lot of really strong community building that I've never experienced in any Bible study or other group. And, and I think that those things can exist in those other types of small groups. Like you can be really vulnerable with, with each other in a Bible study, but I hadn't experienced that up to that point. Yeah. Yeah, my, my wife and I, in fact, one of the podcasts we're hoping to do is around marriage groups because not only have we in our own journeys of vulnerability, and I'll be really honest, I think my wife is often more vulnerable than I am. And I think it's just because she's pretty humble about things and just is pretty like, this is what she does and doesn't know. That's not true for a pastor and people in the church often because we are called to have our act together and make sure that we know all the answers and we better look perfect and my family better look perfect and all those things. And man, they work against the very values that Jesus wants us to live by and aspire to. Yeah. I don't know if you experienced that. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's part of the reason why I felt like I had to create that persona that I've talked about, like creating some sort of fake image that has their act together because I, I think I always had felt that as a church leader, people look up to you, like you said, and and I think that they expect so much out of you that mm -hmm. if you were to admit that you struggle with something, that somehow you failed them. Yeah. And, I, and I think that that's why we we find ourselves in so many situations with pastors falling from grace, for lack of a sure, better word, sure, you know, sure. like when, when there's some sort of defeat, something that they've, they've some moral failure, that, that all of a sudden everything comes crashing down. Yeah. And I think so what happens because, in those situations, yeah. I think so often is that the internal life gets so far removed yeah. from their external life. And, yeah. and, and then you kind of go, how can they do that? I asked that myself, like, how does that happen? And it's yeah. just because 
there's you have you have to keep things so far apart. That's just so much pretending going on. And by God's grace, He allows them to fall. And I think He He moves in sometimes to allow that to happen for their sake and for the congregation or others around them. But you know, as I was saying that about those marriage groups that Grace and I have been a part of, we chose to be in a group with uh, two other couples, and we made a commitment that we would come in and we would share what was going on in our marriage and what our struggles were and yeah. and to be really honest with two other couples and i i have to say you got to be careful about that I, but you, sure. you you need to be with people who are wise and and, yeah. and safe and everything else but uh, in this case god used it in a powerful way and so we've been beginning to do these marriage groups who are leading people into those same kind of discoveries where as they get vulnerable with others, people, it's really cool. People see my vulnerability and in, a, in another couple and they go, boy, I do the same thing. Or that's mm-hmm. exactly where I'm at. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and then it just creates this uh, kind of movement in this, like you said, there's a bonding that occurs yeah. because you're yeah. bonding at such a deeper level. And most people don't experience it. And I mm-hmm. believe that's what the church is to be about. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So you've been doing a thing called walk and talk and, <laughs> and uh, what in the world is this walk and talk? The walk and talk. Yeah. That's an interesting, that's an interesting part of this journey as well. You know, when, when things started to turn inward and the Holy Spirit started to talk to me about the things that I needed to deal with mm-hmm. in that moment, that idea of taking that mask off to stop pretending and really be who I am. That led to me spending some time in prayer and really the Holy Spirit saying, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to just simply walk and talk with people. And I heard that clearly. So, so, so would you call people up and say, hey, you're going to want to go in and walk and talk with me? I, because I do social media. I didn't media get a phone call, church. by the way. Yeah, right. Because I do social media at our church. I instantly gravitated to, let's create a graphic that says walk and talk. And let's post it all over my social media. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's right. how it happened. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly like it was at night. I was, I posted this and I thought, oh gosh, all right, here we go. Yeah. And the thing that I don't think people realize is when you're on social media, you have friends from like when you were a child. So like anybody could have come forward and said, I mean, I basically posted this picture and said, if you would like to walk and talk with me, I would love to go on a walk with you. All you have to do is just let me know. And that was simply it. And I, by the end of the night, had like eight people who had signed up. And then I went to bed that night, woke up the next morning before I went to work. I had a full on like panic mode where I'm like, (laughs) um, what did I just do? And there's no turning back. I mean, once it's public, like there's, you know, it's not like people are going to forget seeing it. So I literally was like, okay, God, what, what, I have no idea now what could happen. Like I have no control over what we're going to talk about or who comes forward because I'm saying I'm willing to go with anyone. And so I, I prayed about it and I just kind of felt over and over God saying, I've got you, I'm here. You're loved. Don't worry about this. It's going to be fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah, That that identity thing of being loved by God, knowing that you're his child, that he really loves you, that he's crazy about you. Like I said, is so huge for people to get real about not just sin in their life, but just things they don't, they themselves may not feel good about or, or have concerns that, you know, again, that that's not going to look good in other people's eyes. And it just keeps you from so much. And so you have these walk and talks, you get to really know people, they're getting to know you. And um, I'm sure again, it bonds you to people in ways that you probably hadn't before. Correct. So I got to ask you um, those clouds that kind of hid and kept 
unexposed parts of who you are, were they there in relationship to family and you work with staff that you're close to? Was that there too? Yeah, definitely. I think that for me, not only with our congregation, but also, yeah, with my family, with my coworkers, I think it made it really easy to to say, these are the parts of my life that I will open up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're going to compartmentalize the rest of it. And and I think with my family, I mean, uh, people who know me well, knew that I spent um, quite a bit of time with my family because it felt like a protected safe place where I could be a little bit more myself. Sure. But even in that, I think that I still was kind of controlling the narrative and yep. and only allowing certain parts of my story to kind of be revealed. So it's interesting as my journey has taken me down further to being vulnerable, that that has kind of released me from feeling like I have to always be with my family in that safe place, which can be hard because it's a little bit like, well, I don't see you guys as much as I used to, but I think it's a healthy thing. It's a, it's a good thing. It's meant that I'm letting more people into my life. Yes. Totally get that. Because what happens, I know in my own situation, I began to realize, and this is just for me in my own family situation, I had some things that I called pseudo intimacy. They weren't quite, they were intimate because that's the way we lived. But I began to experience such deeper intimacies in some places with other relationships. And I think that's why Jesus says, when you start to live and follow him in these ways, you have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers that are countless. You know what I mean? It's not just with the people that you had been known a bit by, but now you're being known in ways that you hadn't planned on. So I get that. And I think that's a cool thing that you've been experiencing that. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask you, because uh, here's the thing around risk. Risk is like, I think, as we had said in one of those podcasts, um, you know, fear. People are so afraid. It's afraid to take the risk. I think around vulnerability, it's the risk and fear. But I think there's that other level of control. If yeah. I can control what I look like, the narrative, whatever you want to use in words, if I can control that, then I'm going to be okay. And, and you're hoping that they're going to be an outcome where people go, yeah, that looks good or whatever. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I tend to be, I'm a one on the Enneagram. So yeah, I like to control my environment, but I think that there is, there's that level of, I almost am controlling the reaction. I'm, I, 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 if I can say, this is what it looks like, then I can pretty much bank on this is how they'll react. And so then I, I kind of know the environments I'm walking into and I know the expectation and that kind of stuff. I've kind of created this, this, uh, life for me that, that I'm okay with. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so it, it, knowing me, I'm a three in the Enneagram, which is all about um, for people who don't know any of this, uh, and sometimes think it's a little weird. I think it just helps you understand heart motivations. I think that's the purpose of a tool, just like you have strength finders and other things. But for mm-hmm. me, as a three, it's all about image and and looking a certain way and making sure people see that, and and then you yeah. don't really ever show up with who you are. What I yeah. find is interesting is people are going to like you and be more attached to you and be more wanting to be in relationship with the real you and not the image. And that's where the power is. Yeah. And it's hard to explain that because honestly, Kevin, I don't know that I, in that place, could see anything better than Mm -hmm. what I felt like I had created. Like that felt safe. And this is scary, but this scary feels so much better than that fake safe. Like it just, (laughs) it's so different. It's just, you look back and hindsight says, that wasn't real. Yeah. And you don't, you don't realize how, how much better it can feel, even though it's scary, how much better it can feel to live 
like the real you, the way that God created you to be. So that's why I talk about pseudo intimacy, because I think that happens not only with others, but with God. And yeah. I think God is going, boy, would you quit trying to control the thing? And if you step into relationship with me, take the yeah. risk, be vulnerable, you'll experience me and I'll experience you. And this is the place I've been waiting for you to be all along. That's, I think with Jesus, that's part of the message of Jesus. You know, you, you get real with your sin, understand how it has limited and what it does and, and let me take it and forgive you and walk into my love and experience who you really are with other people. I think that's yep. a powerful thing. So um, have you found uh, people affirming you? Have you found people going like, man, crazy, Sarah, what's going on in her life? Have you been hurt by people? Have people said, hey, I can't stand your poems? I mean, I'm curious. What are people thinking? You know, the funny thing is it's been, it's it's mostly been positive. I, I really haven't had, I've had a couple people from like, I would say family members more so than anybody. They're like, what are you doing? But but honestly, I, I feel like most people have just been reaching out. And it's funny, just people are popping up in my life that yeah. I shouldn't necessarily have connections with anymore that are just kind of gravitating. And I don't know if that's intentional, if that has to do with this or, you know, and I, and I have people going, yeah, I was talking to this person and, and they really want to sign up for a walk too. And yeah. like, at some point the season's over, it's winter. So <laughs> I, I'm done, I'm done with walking. It's going to get cold. Right. I have to figure out what the next step is, but you know, walk in a mall or something, but you know, I have to, I I think it's really interesting um, when you say this, because I I think what people don't realize is um, just how God has wired us to, um, I think people seek and are hungry for that. And the people who are hungry for it will do that. But I find this, that those who are most familiar with you, like Mm -hmm. Jesus said, he came to his own town. He could hardly do any miracles. Why? Because they had them locked into a place in their own mind, but it's more than yeah. that. They were secure in the narrative that they've been writing that your new narrative shakes up their relationship. And so yeah. I think that's why people have a hard time when other people, when they see them starting to transform, some are attracted, some are going, Oh, yeah. I love you, but and don't yeah. mess with my life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think that's really true. So I just have to say, um, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for doing this. I I, I was thinking in my mind, how are you going to intro this one yourself to yourself? Um, Today, we've got the opportunity to speak to this incredible (laughs) person. (laughs) No, but I I have to say this to you, Sarah, and I haven't said this to you um, directly because, um, I mean, this was such joy in my heart. I have seen that part of you and have prayed and so longed for that part of you to come forward. And uh, I love it. And I'm so grateful to be a friend to you. I mean, I say that as your lead pastor, it's, you know, but at the same time, I, I truly just mean, isn't it fun working with friends and people you can be real yes. with? That's what, that's exactly what we want. And that's the exciting part about being on staff, because I feel like we are starting that process of really opening up with one another. And that's why it does feel like working with friends and not bosses and different, you know, positions yeah. of leadership. It really, it really has started to feel like we're all in this together, which yeah. I think is an amazing thing. So, yeah. So I want to tell you once again, thanks so much for taking those steps of uh, risk and faith and moving into vulnerability. Also, I want to thank you so much for having the idea to do these podcasts. And I'm the recipient of being able to enjoy it and use some of my gifts in this way. And you get to use yours as well. It's been fun. So thanks much. 
Thanks for having me. Stay vulnerable. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.